You're listening to the Hard Men Podcast, reclaiming biblical masculinity in a world of softness. Welcome to the Hard Men Podcast. I am your host, Eric Kahn. This is Season 1, Episode 2, Hard Men in a World of Softness. On this episode, I'll be sharing an experience that occurred several years ago, and that first opened my eyes to the problem of effeminacy in the church, and in particular, the pastorate. Now, two things brought about this keystone revelation. First, I attended a series of talks by Toby Sumter, and in them, he talked about what it means to fight the good fight. He captured the warring spirit of masculinity that is so often absent from the church. And the other event was Reading the Grace of Shame. It really is one of the best books that I've come across in dealing with homosexuality and effeminacy in the modern church from a biblical perspective. Now, at that time, you have to keep in mind, I was pastoring a small church in the rural West, and I was also working as a freelance gun writer. Now, as I was ruminating on the topic of masculinity, I started to recognize a trend that I'd experienced almost all my life, but I couldn't quite ever put my finger on it. It was this. It's that a majority of pastors I knew were soft and effeminate, and the churches that they pastored weren't a whole lot different. I'd attended seminary, and I'd even pastored my own church, and yet most of the Christian literature, most of the ministry of the church, somehow seemed unappealing to me. Most of it, I found, was emotionally sappy. It was devotional in nature and, quite frankly, uninteresting. I started to think about my childhood and the way that I grew up. My interests were in Teddy Roosevelt, in hunting with my dad and my brother, in firearms and trucks and off-roading, in World War II biographies and reading the great histories of the world. The movies we were watching were Braveheart and Die Hard. And yet when I went to the Christian men's section at the local bookstore, all I found was sentimental, pietistic Christianity, none of which was all that appealing as a man. Now what happened as a result of all of this is is really what I'm driving at in this episode. I wrote a blog post and I titled it Hard Men in a World of Softness. I was reflecting on everything that was going on in my mind and in the world around me. And I published it on my website, ericcon.com. That's E-R-I-C-C-O-N-N.com. And even if you go there now, you can find it, and I've got it pinned to the top. Now, when I wrote it, I was pastoring a small church in rural Colorado. I didn't expect much of a response. My following on the website wasn't that big. Maybe 100 people per day, depending on how often I was posting. But the original posting in February of 2018 received quite a bit more traffic than anything I was used to, something like 10,000 page views in a month. And I first said to myself, this has to be a bigger issue. Obviously, other people see what the problem is. They seem to be resonating. But it wasn't until 2020 in January that I shared the post on Facebook for the second time. On the first day that I shared it, the post had over 50,000 page views. But it got even bigger than that, and within a month, over 200,000 people had come to the site to look at that post. In other words, my eyesight seemed to be confirmed. 
It turns out I'm not the only one concerned about the dismal state of masculinity in a world in which real men have been neutered. They've been pacified and silenced. Here is the original experience which inspired Hard Men in a World of Softness and really was much of the impetus for this podcast. Several years ago, I was at a gathering with a group of church leaders who came from around the country. Many of them came from major metropolitan areas. Now, as an elder from a town of only a few thousand people, I was also working as an editor at a gun magazine, and I felt a little bit like the crazy uncle someone had brought for show and tell. Sure, they'd seen my Facebook profile where they found many wilderness exploits, firearms, and dead animals that regularly appear in my feed. I'm not going to lie, I'm a hunter. But to them, I was more like the Tasmanian devil. They'd seen and maybe read about me in books, but many of them seemed to be shocked to find a living specimen. You could feel the mixture of boyish awe and even a tinge of disgust. One church leader asked me incredulously, when you go hunting and you, you kill this animal, do you, you know, take its skin off and, like, remove the organs? When I answered in the affirmative, there was a little bit of shock. Some of the men in the room were manly men, and it didn't surprise them at all, but others issued a collective gasp. Now, I found this mostly amusing, but at the same time, I was wondering where exactly they thought their steaks and their hamburgers came from. It really was a clash of cultures as we met during that event. Their conversations revealed a world of high thread count shirts, expensive private school tuition, and obscure theatrical performances that I'd never even heard of. Now, my world was colliding as one of diesel exhaust, coal miners, and calloused hands. It was filled with bloody work from ranching or hunting, but it was a conversation I had shortly thereafter with a different pastor who didn't last very long, quite frankly, in the small town he was serving. That's what lodged in my mind. He had confided to me that he had a hard time connecting with the people of the rural community. And more than that, there was a particular disdain as he described things like country music, lifted trucks, and the sea of blaze orange every fall as people came to hunt. It wasn't just that those weren't his interests. That would have been fine. It was the disdain. Something more than just tastes and preferences was in play. I just think hunting is so gross and stupid, he said. Why can't you just buy your food at the grocery store just like everyone else? I'm never going to do it. I, I, I refuse. It's almost as dumb as country music. Now, I'll have to admit, you could hear the revulsion and the effeminate range in his voice. He'd rather be in his office vaping and listening to esoteric music, meditating on obscure and grandiose theology, which he did, than to be standing on the fence line straightening barbed wire with one of his people. Soft men despise those who are hard. It led me to ask a question, which I've been asking for several years now. How is it that our seminaries and churches and so much of Christendom are somehow attracting and training effeminate pastors? You take a look around the modern church and you see this happening at a pretty alarming rate. Why is it that our Christian institutions, in the very fabric of what they do, seem to be so skilled at turning out theologically precise men with softness as their crowning virtue? 
Now, I've since talked with some of my seminary friends, and they actually agree, many of them, that the men coming out of seminary are effeminate. Others, however, will say, but what's wrong with that? They speak softly, they play softly, and they avoid hardness at all costs. Oftentimes, they don't deal with sin in the church. They don't initiate in leadership. They are slow to take responsibility. And in one case, I knew a pastor who had to be prodded by his wife to prepare for sermons or do the regular work of the ministry. He was like a little boy. At times when he didn't do his work, his wife would put him in his chair and make him think about what he's done. You think I'm joking, but I'm not. Again, why are we so good at attracting men to the pulpit and then sending them out and those men are soft? It's little wonder that our people are effeminate, that our churches are mainly attractive to women and mainly filled with women, when so many of our shepherds lack the stones to model biblical hard masculinity. So often what we find in the pulpit is men who preen and obsess over their appearance. Why are we talking about pastel dress shirts and overpriced macchiatos? The world I came from, which was rural and coal mining and ranchers, well, our lives were filled with hard days of physical labor. But here, especially when I was at seminary, I noticed that the pastorate was a pitting of bookishness against a pair of Carhartt overalls. They were somehow polarizing and different. It was as though learning and labor were mutually exclusive. It made me ask the question, why has the limp-wristed, poetry-writing therapist in a sweater vest, that's the picture of the pastorate that we have, but why has that replaced the biblical picture? The flesh-and-blood shepherding ranch hand upon which Christ actually modeled our ministry. You think of all the early disciples, and most of them were tradesmen. They spent lifetimes working with their hands. They were what we'd call man's men, real men, hard men. But another question that I started to ask was this. Why can't we talk about these things in the church without being called bigoted or insensitive? One of the things I've noticed as I've had this conversation with men Many of them will tell me in sort of the Together for the Gospel, Gospel Coalition bent, well, why don't we just keep things central on the gospel? Why do we even need to talk about biblical sexuality? What does that have to do with the substitutionary atonement of Christ? And I would always respond with this. Well, first of all, Christ came as a man, and that's not insignificant. More questions were forming in my mind, like these. How is it that these soft pastors come to despise men like myself and so many other blue-collared, splintered-in-the-hand, bleary-eyed-from-the-graveyard-shift men, many of whom are slightly overweight, farm-strong, the kind of men you know know how to take and to give a life? Why is the pastorate pitted against these men, and why is there sort of an animosity between the two groups? Well, it's little wonder that real men are repulsed by what they find in the church. It's little wonder we attract hard women and we repel biblically feminine softness. Surely it can't be any surprise that this sissified pastoral model so often fails, especially in the places where real-life shepherds and ranchers, they still exist. For those men, it's pretty easy to spot an imposter. We shouldn't be shocked that, after all, having shaped our ministers in the hands of effeminate potters, the very men who preside over seminaries, well, 
They come out of the kiln looking soft and, most of all, repulsive to real men. But at least they know how to dress and strut like a peacock in the pulpit. I want you to consider, just for a moment, the biblical pattern for God's pastors. Where did God find them and how did God train them? Here's a quote from The Grace of Shame. Prophets don't dress themselves softly. They don't have an effeminate bearing. They don't dress and talk and carry themselves like women. Prophets aren't gay. John the Baptist was a man's man. And men who want to enter the kingdom of God, well, they will imitate him. Like John the Baptist, violent men will take the kingdom of heaven by force. What a great quote. Now, at one point, as I said in the introduction, I had attended a recent pastor's conference. And I sat down with Tim Bailey, one of the pastors there, who made an interesting observation that stuck with me. It was about rural life, animal husbandry, and sort of the hunting and pastoral work that I'd been doing. Tim said, Eric, give me a man that knows how to take a life, who understands the seriousness of that act, and who can pull the trigger without sentiment. We need more of that from our pastors and in our churches. As Tim pointed out, A shepherd's work requires both gentle arms of a man and fierceness toward the wolves in our midst. So don't hear me wrong. Being biblically hard doesn't mean you're a jerk. It doesn't mean that you're rude to women. That's not what I'm saying. But it does mean that the pastorate is bloody, messy, manly work. And there's something about the masculine nature of men that's required, both the toughness and the tenderness. Yet it's unsentimental almost completely. It's not pretty. It's bloody. It's messy. It's difficult. It requires a man's body and a man's mind. It's just something that many in our skinny jeans culture can't stomach. It really was the same with David, the quintessential shepherd of the Old Testament. Yes, the shepherd king. He said killing bears and lions with his bare hands in the defense of sheep, well, that was what prepared him for the larger battles against God's enemies. The manner of David's shepherding is hardly the stuff that our video game generation of boys with beards can even fathom. Consider what 1 Samuel 17, 34-36 says. David, in the scripture, says this, Your servant used to keep a sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear, and it took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, and I struck him, and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard. Don't you love that, man? David caught the lion by the beard, and he struck him, and he killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine, he was talking about Goliath, shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't picture many pastors today saying that David was not nice. He didn't invite Goliath to have a A warm, friendly conversation. Well, let's just air our disagreements. Let's have a cup of tea. And let's just let it go. Let's be nice. No, David grabbed the lion by the beard. And he killed it. That's what the church is missing. Especially when it comes to the pastorate. Yeah, what the church needs is hard men. Men of principle. Men who pursue their own godliness with holy violence. Men who run into burning buildings when everyone else is running out. What we especially need in the pastorate are men who act like men. Who actively repent of their softness and embrace the kind of biblical hardness that God has called us to. Again, quoting 
the grace of shame. And we'll close with this. Soft is not what God made man to be. When you look at man's sexual organ and you consider the simple truth that godliness for man means living in obedience to his body. That's a concept, by the way, we're going to return to during this season. What does it mean to be in obedience to your sex and to your body? We're going to unpack that. Continuing with the quote, he says, His body is hard, that's a man's body, is hard in taking initiative and bearing responsibility. And this is the reason soft men will not enter the kingdom of God. They are in rebellion against God and who he made them to be. Well, thanks for listening to the Hard Men Podcast. I hope it's been beneficial to you. And I hope that it piques your interest for more of the topics that we'll deal with in upcoming episodes. For more on the topic of masculinity and biblical sexuality, be sure to check out my website. That's ericcon.com, E-R-I-C-C-O-N-N.com. And sign up for my newsletter. You'll get alerts about new posts as well as curated content on masculinity. Follow me on Instagram or Twitter. You can find me at the handle at Eric Kahn. That's E-R-I-C underscore C-O-N-N. That's both for Twitter and Instagram. Also, be sure to follow me on Facebook. And please, if you have questions or feedback, I'd love to engage with you on those issues So go to one of those outlets on social media or the website. You can leave a comment, send a message, let me know what you're thinking, and I'd love to respond to you. Until next time, men, stay frosty, fight the good fight, act like men.